Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives! When a hoodlum lay dying, he used his last hour of life to square himself in an unexpected way. That is the situation on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. If you ask me, Jerry Browning, Private Detective, no case is ever completely closed. When I got the call that Johnny Martin wanted to talk to me at the Reagan Memorial Hospital, I got there just as fast as I possibly could. Hello, Gumshoe. You didn't waste any time. No, I didn't, Johnny. What do you want to tell me? Funny. Guy like me. And what gets him? A little bug. Your time's running out, Johnny. <coughs> okay. Okay. He turned his head, faced the nurse on the opposite side of his bed. You getting this, honey? She nodded. Listen, Browning. On that grocery job where that Pappas guy was gone, I was walking by... Seen three mugs run out. Everett Wood, Milk Bartlett, Bill Allen. Are you sure, Johnny? The nurse gave me a warning look, indicated the door. I took another look at Johnny lying there with his eyes half closed. All right, Johnny. You concentrate on getting well. At the end of the corridor, I found a telephone booth, made a fast call to police headquarters. Johnny Martin made a deathbed statement, Dawson. Implicated Everett Wood, Milt Bartlett, and Bill Allen in that grocery store murder. He was probably in on it, too. Better pick up the many names. Johnny Martin, hold-up man and slugger, died less than an hour later at Reagan Memorial of pneumonia. Two hours later, all three of the men he'd implicated in a murder charge were under arrest. When a hoodlum lay dying, he implicated three other men in a murder charge, and all of them were arrested. Your Honor, speaking for the defendants, I submit that the unsupported word of Johnny Martin is not sufficient evidence to hold these men on a charge as serious as murder. If the court pleases, Mr. Wilder doesn't seem too familiar with the law, which reads that a deathbed statement, if heard by two competent witnesses, is not subject to challenge. Mr. Wilder, the prosecutor is correct. The statement of the late John Marden is admissible evidence, and your three clients are held without bail for the grand jury. Dick Wilder was a good lawyer, and he tried his best for his clients, but the law was clear. Everett Wood, Milt Bartlett, and Bill Allen, all three with previous criminal records, were in a bad spot. Hello, Jerry. Did you read about the preliminary hearing in the Pappas murder? I was there, Dawson. Lieutenant Dawson grinned. Well, that's one unsolved murder we can put on the other side of the list. What's the matter, Jerry? You don't look happy. I'm tickled to that. A hoodlum presumably acquires a conscience the last hour of his life, and on the strength of it, three men will probably go to the chair. Dawson stared at me. You mean you don't think they're guilty? 
You must be out of your mind. Would Johnny lie at a moment like that? I don't know whether I would or not. Johnny Martin certainly never told the truth at any other time, and he didn't admit being in on the holdup. I'm shocked at you, Jerry, to question the word of a dying man. It's not decent. Okay. But neither is it decent to burn three men unless you're mighty sure of their guilt. The Pampas murder was a brutal killing. A poor grocery man shot to death in the course of a $65 holdup. Sure, I wanted his killer. I'd been working on the case for consolidated insurance for over a month. But I didn't like these developments. Those are the facts, Mr. Cooley. I'm not satisfied that those men really are guilty. John Cooley, investigations chief for Consolidated, gave me a cold look. Browning, if you are not satisfied, why are you wasting my time? Well, Mr. Cooley, I thought you should know. At the point where you have the killer, or killers, report to me, and not before. Thanks, Mr. Cooley. Thanks a lot. I visited the accused men in prison. They denied their guilt, which is what they do whether they were guilty or not. But one of them, Bill Allen, told me, Mr. Browning, sure, I pulled jobs and did time, but I've been going straight. I'm a runner for a bookie. Legitimate, see? Let's not go into that, Bill. When's the last time you pulled a job with Johnny Martin? I never worked with him. He was gun happy. And I tell you, I ain't pulled a job in a year. The only way I knew Johnny Martin, I took his bets for big-hearted Joe's to rep. Legitimate, see? Big-hearted Joe Zareb sat behind his cash box and pulled thoughtfully at his chin. Having a spot, Browning. By mixing this thing, the cops get wise to me, close up my book. I gotta think of my business. Joe, you're a human being. You wouldn't let three guys burn if they weren't guilty. I wouldn't. Okay, you're right. I'm just a big-hearted slob like my name. Listen, this Johnny Martin was in me for five grand. Bombettes, waste, I owe you. And he was into a couple other books the same way. You might like to know that uh, Everett Wood and Milk Bartlett were working for a couple other books. Maybe Johnny Martin was paying off some grudges. You're the second guy I've thanked today, Joe. You'll have to testify, but it'll be worth it. I doubt it. It took a lot of persuasion... But I finally got the two bookies Wood and Bartlett worked for to give their testimony before the grand jury. Three men who had to admit to illegal businesses in order to save innocent men from the chair. Then I went to work. I'd like to redeem the article pledged on this pawn ticket. Yes, sir. It's a revolver. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'd found the crumpled pawn ticket in Johnny Martin's pants pocket. And the description of the man who'd pawned the revolver, the same revolver with which the grocery man had been killed, it was the description of Johnny Martin. It proved what I'd suspected. That Johnny pulled the grocery store job himself. That he never really thought he was dying. Not deep in his heart, he didn't. He couldn't believe that a powerful man like himself could be knocked off by a little pneumonia germ. So... He used his unique spot to pay off grudges against the men who'd taken his bets and whom he'd held responsible for his losses. He wanted those men safely in jail so that when he got out of the hospital, he could also get out of town unmolested. Except that his phony deathbed confession turned into the real thing. Like I said, when life is at stake, you can't take anything for granted, no matter how you got it. 